And we're live from the res here with special guest, Mr. Boone Turner in the house. How you doing, sir? Doing good. Halka, Halka family. Halka. It's good to see you, man. Uh, for those of you guys out there in the uh, internet world, out the vast world, you may not know, but outside is parked a beautiful horse. And so you know a cowboy's in town when you see the uh, horse parked outside. Yeah. What kind of horse you got? He's a quarter horse, man. He come out of a uh, family from Verona, Nicochet family. Mm. You know, I just bought him. He's about six months old. So uh, I'm going to go have my rookie year this year in the pros. So I've got some new animals coming on this year. And, uh, um, you know, I, I figured I'd bring him with me because they've afforded me, you know, my way of life. And they've given me all my, my awards, my buckles and saddles and stuff I've won through the years has all been, you know, account of them. So I figured I'd bring one of my soldiers along with me to visit with you guys today as well. So. That's awesome. It's a beautiful horse, man. I mean, me, um, I'm not a cowboy, you know. I sometimes wear a hat when I when I bird sing, I do that as tribute to my dad. And when I play peon, I do that as tribute to my uh the guy who got me started was John. And it, and you know, practically it it has a lot of practicality to to wearing down the smokes in your eyes and stuff. It's good to have a hat on True. and whatnot. Um, but you know, when I was a little kid, my family, we had a horse, my sister, uh Snowball, she used to have a horse called Apache, and I used to ride that. And most of the families here in Viejas had, and this is in the 80s, you know, most of the families had a horse and at that time. And then uh, the generation before, everybody had a horse and it kind of came from that. Sure. And I, I know in our region down here in SoCal, um, it seemed like the horse culture is, it was in every family. And it's weird because now moving forward 20, 30 years, you don't see horses as much. But I, I know that it's, uh, you still have it. It's still strong with you. Definitely. And that's and so that's why I'm really glad to have you here because I want you to share a little bit about that. You know, I know we have a long history with horses and whatnot too. Very, so. very long. I mean, talking from when Colombo made his mistake and landed down here, you know, and then Cortez landed. There was the ports were all down here in California, and all that main push of the horses and livestock kind of filtered through our through our tribes first. So at that time, when the when the missions first started, there was an estimated six million cattle in this area. And the only people to work them were the Spanish people off the ships and the locals here, you know, through our, our, our local tribe. So um, we got a lot of the knowledge coming off of the ships from the Spaniards. We'd sit and watch how they use their horses. Uh, we were taught kind of the way they used them. But once we got a hold of them by way of either stealing them or uh, some got away and we'd capture them. But until we got to live with the horse every day. Um, and started to understand uh, the reality of the horse and how powerful it was as a healer, uh, as a transportation tool, as a survival tool. Um, it really, really started to adapt us from there. Um, and it's really, really strong medicine to really look at, you know, who had the horse first was come from China. A lot of people don't know the horse was in the ocean first and had flippers. They never had hooves. So as they came on to mainland, their, their feet started to harden off and they were really small. They're about a little bigger than a deer. You know, and as the years came, the first people to really use the horse was the Chinese. They were really the first ones to kind of use the horse. And then from there into Spain, they got it. And we were kind of the last era of the people to actually see the horse. So when it got here, it was kind of a shocker. We were using dogs with sleds at that time to get our people different places. So when we seen them, we didn't really understand, you know, what they were. So we really had to watch. And, and like I said, until we lived with them, we didn't understand, uh, you know, how valuable they were. So, um, I've lived with a horse my whole life. I've rode horses. I was put to sleep on a horse when I was a child with my mother. So I've actually been on horse since I was born. Um, 
I was uh, team roping professionally at the age of 12, won my first U.S. championship. Um, from there, I've won multiple other buckles and, and saddles and different awards through the years. Um, so I've kind of really made a way of life and um, a lifestyle with the horse and still trying to keep intact the ways I was taught, you know, from the elders that, that actually gave it to me. You know, the men that taught me were the men that came out of learning from their grandfathers that used it for that survival tactic, you know, so I'm, I'm, I've got to try to hold on to that, to that knowledge because we are such a horse nation. Um, you know, a lot of that knowledge from industrial era, era forward is where the disconnect really became, mm -hmm. you know, really hard to go back and capture, you know, so. The but it's powerful, that lineage that you have, you know, and I think a lot of people don't think about SoCal or our area having that strong horse culture. And, you know, everybody thinks natives on horses, they go right to the imagery of the plains. They go to the Dakotas. They go through, you know, all those nations that are over there and, and how they got the horse. But it's like we we got the horse right away when the Spanish showed up, yeah. um, you know, when the missionary moving forward, the, the horse was here. And I, I know that cattle, that whole industry, it was such a good industry here in San Diego, working your way north up to the coastline because you could raise cattle, you could slaughter them, you could take that leather back to Europe. You can make soap out of the different parts of the animal. The there are the hooves that you could, you know, there was a lot of industry around that. Definitely. And, but I don't think people think that. I don't think people, no, I don't no. think they go horse, horse nation, horse people. I think people's minds go to the plains and they don't go to our region. And, and if you're not from, you know, one of the reses here in SoCal, you probably wouldn't think that. But Definitely. like I said, me growing up, I know there's cowboys around. I go to the fiestas or the gatherings and you still see some of the old, the old time cowboys that are there. I like going to San Isabel gathering for that reason and Rincon because yeah. you'll see some of those old guys out there. They're still cowboyed out, you know, and they're out yeah. there and they're, they were cowboys when they were young. They grew up, they learned it. They had the lineage yeah. and you're right there inside of that. That's, yeah. that's cool. Keeping yeah. it rolling. A lot of our, a lot of, I mean, I grew up in cowboy boots and a lot of, uh, of you and your generation grew up in cowboy boots because you know, we couldn't buy three or four pairs of shoes a year. Mm -hmm. So that one big leather pair of boots had to last you the better part of a year. So, a lot of us grew up in, and you know, not laces because those would break, you know. So a lot of people grew up in pull-on boots. A lot of, you know, men that are 40 and 50 older than me. I'm 34, so when people are, you know, in their 40s and 50s, they all remember wearing boots. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Until, you know, TV was, really came on and they started pushing products. We all wore something that would last for, for the longevity of it because we weren't, we weren't uh, profiting as a nation at that time. Mm -hmm. We're basically surviving off what little land and what little resources we had besides what the government would put on top of the food rations. Um, you know, sometimes we'd get grants through the reservation to do education or, uh, you know, maybe grow the res in certain places educationally or uh, La Jolla has a river that runs through the reservation they use as a campground. You know, so we had to be really, really creative on how we would bring income to our people because for us to travel outside the res, man, only one or two families when I was a kid had a car. So I remember sitting at the house and only hearing a car per couple hours. Yeah. You know, it used to be like, oh, we could hear one coming. And the kids that were naughty would get the Indian bullets, which was a handful of rocks, and they'd wander <laughs> up through the street, you know. So, yeah. But we were able to hear cars coming from a long way off, you know. So even in my lifetime, I watched it grow from a couple cars to now we have the casino there, and it's nonstop traffic, you know. So, um it's just to me it's it's really important to remember what's happened prior to know where you're going forward you know sure sure so. there's a lot of lesson you know in, in uh, dealing with the horses and 
and whatnot too. I imagine you know it's a lot of really teaching of responsibility to go out there and take care of a. Having the empathy and the compassion to take care of another uh, living thing, Truly. and the responsibility of taking care of that, and the special thing, man. Imagine having a conversation without a, a spoken word. Yeah. Right? All body language and what you can see and how you move, and 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 that's all a conversation to the horse. So when you're around him, I very rarely am talking. Of course, I talk to my horses because I've lived with them, right? They're people to me. So, but it's all body language and how you approach it. And when you when you convert that into people, it's the same thing, man. If you run up on somebody and you shove a hand at him, you know, kind of violent, people are really hesitant to really shake your hand and find out who you are. But if you come up kind of nonchalant, nice, comfortable, you know, walk and you say, hey, man, how are you? My name's this and this. People are a lot more apt to shake a hand and figure out, you know, who you are. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it breaks the barrier down. I always tell people, shake a hand. If you don't know them, shake their hand and find out who they are. You know, because if they're if someone that wants to do you harm, you need to know that. And if they're a great person that, you know, could help you, you need to know that too. You know, so don't be afraid to ever extend a hand. If you don't know them, that's the reason you shake the hands because you don't know them. You know, you hey, man, I'm Boone. How are you? I'm from, I'm from California, man. Where are you from? That starts a conversation, breaks the ice, knocks the barrier down. Now there's this person to person and not skin yeah. color to skin color. You right. know what I mean? Or... Or uh, what you know or what you have versus the people that don't. Yeah. You know, so. especially in our communities now, like I've been talking a lot about reservation mindedness and and like, you know, um, like what res are you from or where are you from and all that kind of stuff. One thing I like looking at old pictures and you see that era of when everybody was cowboying up and there's the old black and white pics. And you have there's pictures of turn of the century that gatherings, uh, you know, those week long gatherings. And you see the old the old pole out there where they're tying up their horses. You see the horses in the background. Yeah. Everybody's got pictures of their grandpa or somebody on a horse. Yeah. My mom's got pictures of her grandfather riding a horse. And yeah. Yeah. and uh, but yet you see these pictures, all these guys coming together and they're they're working together as men of their community to skin that cow to, really? you know, to um, feed their families and to work, create that industry. Definitely. And but it's, it's an idea of coming together. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and togetherness and not so much, you know, what res you from, what what shade of Indian are you? Are you dark or light or all of that? Right. It really speaks to a time of a lot more respect. Like you're talking about shaking that hand. Right. Are we enemies? Are we good? And, you know, let's, let's kind of cut the BS, That's you know. It, man. I was always told, man, say where you're from, but it doesn't mean that it's a volatile or a violent way. I mean, when you say mm-hmm. I'm from Rincon, it doesn't mean, man, you know, I don't care where you're from. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm from Rincon yeah. to let you know we're still here. You yeah. know, Rincon is still a place, you know, and we're still here. So that's why I tell you, I'm from Rincon, I'm Boone Turner. You know, just like when someone else tells me where they're from, it's not a, 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 a poke at me. It just let me know, man, hey, that, that res is still intact. And there's still people that will shout that name out out of respect because they love that place. Yeah. You know, so to me, the, the young, the youth need to realize, man, when you throw up Rincon or La Jolla or Viejas or, you know, that's just where you're from. And that's respect to to let people know you love that place, man. You you know, I, I love that place so much, I'm going to tell you I'm from there. And it's not a poke or prod that my place is any better than yours. It's just letting you know that we still exist. Mm-hmm. You know, when you tell me where you're from, that lets me know that you still exist. And that's that's medicine. That's good. Yeah. You know, so that that that's more of, of what it was for me when I was growing up. You know, you always run into people that take it the, the different way. But the majority of the folks I ran into in that manner of, of going at it, it was always a respectful thing, man. You know, I was always proud to, to meet somebody from a different res. I've got family up in Paiute uh, country in Nevada, in Colorado, you know, and, and I talk to them the same way I talk to people at home. You yeah. know what I mean? And there's that comfort because 
there's there's no disrespect, man. I, I'm here to to learn from you. You know, everything's a lesson in life, whether it be the horse, the school book, or anything else. It's what you can read and adapt and take to your mind and use for yourself. Absolutely. You know, so it's 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 for me. It uh, happened to explain myself without using any words has been a lifelong pursuit of perfection and trying to get that right. Because the quicker I get it right, the more success I have around my horses. Sure. You know, and in life and marriage and everything else that comes along with that, you know. And it's it's good to like you know another thing about saying where you're from too. And I think the younger generation loses this a little bit especially if they don't have family telling them who their relatives are. Sure. But I know older people will want to know where you're from because you hear the name and you know where they're from. You might have friends that are from there. You might have family from there. And sometimes I think young people don't realize they have family all over. Like I have family in Saquon and San Isabel and Manzanita and Campo and, yeah. you know, all the different reses around. My, my kids have a lot of family in Paula, you know, different areas, Pechanga. So I hear a name and I hear, and the person says, I'm from this res. Yeah, it's not negative. They're not, it's not like a... Yeah. Um, like you know i'm a blood you're a crip or some right. kind of weird thing like right. that Remember, it's like this is where i'm from is my home and i go oh you know i know you hear your name then i might think you might be my relative you sure. know remember the old i remember asking him you ask any old folk old old elder in our in our area man you ask him you know if they ask you who are you well i'm boone from rincon first thing back is who's your dad yeah right it was never like you know where are you from with your hands up it was always <laughs> like who's your dad who's yeah. your mom you know yeah they want to know who your people were so when you told them where you're from immediately well who's your dad because you might be intermarried interrelated yeah you know but everybody knew everybody you know so that that's in my era that's how it kind of was and every, i could always remember if they asked me who are you and where, when i'd say where i was from who's your dad you know immediately yeah. you know so that that that's kind of the looking from the outside in that's that's what you got to kind of find is that positive out of all that negative looks but mm -hmm. the hard look is only because he don't realize who you who you are doesn't recognize you you know so shake a hand man you know and and, and then there's times you got to use your head and you and you realize maybe it's not safe to do that you know so you get away from those situations which stops a bad situation from happening so you know yeah. that that mind always has to work especially around horses in my world that thousand pound animal man every time i run down the arena to compete he takes a bad step and flips over on top of me and i could die every trip so i know in my mind every time i do what i love to do is that time that could take my life. So knowing that it's a very humble existence, man, because you know, you got to be right with everything around you. Kids got to mm -hmm. know you love them. Your old lady's got to know it. Everybody, your you, everything's got to be in a set sequence so that if that impossible happens, everything's right. You sure. know, because it's a very volatile, a very volatile uh, world of rodeo, man. You could get hurt at any minute. Somebody else could hurt you. You know, you're dealing with thousand pound animals. And you're pulling around 700 pound cow weights tied to a little rope, you know, and everything's going fast. So it's a, uh, it's a lot of mental, mental prep more than seat time. I've had, you know, 30 years of seat time. Now it's putting my mental game into effect, you know, mm -hmm. which is really making me have to study it, step back and look for the little hidden secrets that are in there, you know? So it's helped me to adapt for other things through school and stuff like that. It helps me to look for the message inside of what's being taught, you know, which sure. is key to life, man. Like you, you want to hear, even if someone's got a bad message for you, you want to hear it and then you want to pick it apart and figure out what he's actually saying or what they're saying and what you can use and what you need to trash. Sure. So. There's always deeper in everything, you know, layers of things. And like what we're just talking about, knowing people in other reservations or, you know, coming up on, especially they're native and, and, you know, assuming the best and whatnot, or, 
we kind of forget that like three gen two generations ago our population was real small man True. there was only so many people on every res like most reses have, have tripled in our region have tripled in population Big. in the last 25 years Big. and you go back like my mom she's mid 70s so she hears about a reservation or an area she you know she'll tell you like oh i remember these families that were there and it's like a handful of families sure. and so when she talks to a young and she's kind of like well who's your grandma who's your and then she'll know exactly who the family is and older people can do that Definitely. but the population is so small so it's like they did de knew each other they did depend on each other they had work programs you probably my dad used to be part of uh, indian action it was an old program and he worked with guys i remember when i was a little guy would be cruising around and he know people from Rincon and Saboba and you know some of these guys I still see around. A couple of them play piano and whatnot, and they're always asking, "How's your dad doing?" Sure. But he met them in like the in the seventies through Indian Action, and they were just doing. Um, they were out building. Um, they built you know part of the uh, Matara Water V Park here yeah. in Viejas. Yeah. They built the Barona Gym. They built uh, built some buildings there in Rincon, all the different areas. You know, they're but they were native dudes from all over, yeah. and they were working together, and they were getting things. You know, and they're feeding their families essentially. Yeah. But there was like a, a sense of unity, you know. And going before them, uh, talking about the horse culture, that those guys were definitely you know they had the roundups, family roundups, they had community roundups. Yeah. Families are coming together, and they're helping each other um, break those horses and and uh, get those calves ready, you know and. Yeah. And yeah. tagging them and doing all the things they do with brandings and whatnot. Definitely, that's, but, a, that's a good leeway into you know, you know kind of why the horses here in our culture, man. It, you mm -hmm. know, it's, as those ports were established, all that livestock came off the ships, and we were the first people to get them. So as we got them, we started to use them, you know, in a way that that uh, we used them as a survival tactic. As the mission started to push, and they our people started to, to push away from them, we started to realize the horse was really important to our way of life and and our, and our way of survival. So. Um, at the time of the Spanish-American War down here in San Pasqual by the Wild Animal Park in Escondido area. Yeah. Um, by that time, there was the Spanish-American, or the Spanish were coming up to uh, claim Mexico at that time, which was California. So the, Cal the Mexican people that were in California were called Californios. Those okay. were the Spanish folks that didn't want to be Mexican in Mexico anymore. Mm -hmm. They were up here. So at that time, the, the Spanish armies in the area of, of Escondido Valley, San Pasqual Valley there, and the, the U.S. Army is coming from the Alamo, from Texas. And yeah. they're coming down into, into California because they want to claim it as well. So at that time, we're living, all these tribes, are, you know, there's a hundred tribes within this Southern California area. We're all living pretty close to one another. And as that push came, we all kind of had to step back and start meeting with one another and figuring out which way we were going to go with with this uh, you know new push of these new folks coming in. So... At that time in Palma Valley, there was a, a, a group of Californios that were living down there. They happened to steal 11 horses from the Luceno tribe. The Luceno tribe tracked them back down into Palma. They captured their horses, and they ended up killing each one of those Mexican people. Mm -hmm. So when that message got back to the, the Mexican army, it was still politically Mexico at that time. So they came up on a revenge tactic to try to get the Luceno people that massacred those Mexican folks which pushed us up into Temecula Valley, okay? So once we got up in there, we disappeared. They came down and hunted us, ended up being where they, they found us, and they, they shot a couple people up there and buried them in Temecula. So if you go into that history, you can read a lot of, of, of that time in our local area, what was going on, but it's a good leeway into uh, how important the horse was. See, those, I mean, those people stole the horse from them, they tracked them, and they actually took their life for it. So that that states that you know that's like someone taking your child from you. You're gonna you're gonna rec you're gonna recruit people to go 
capture him and actually yeah. probably do something violent. So yeah, because if it wasn't, it didn't mean anything to him. They wouldn't have cared. Truly. So it shows right there that how even at that time, how important they were. Truly, man. Yeah. So at that era, as that starts to go away, the the rancherios started. You know, so when California was established, they gave the ranches to the Californios mm -hmm. because they they didn't want they wanted the Indians to assimilate. So they yeah. weren't going to give us the ranches. They weren't going to put us in charge of it. We basically had to work under the Spanish owner of the ranches. So we went from a survival tactic with the horse to using them on the ranches as a tool. Mm -hmm. So that lasted a few generations. The ranches, we raised livestock. is which where we learned to cowboy and, and maintain livestock herds and all that type of, of knowledge came from that era. Then the industrial complex hit. And that disconnect went one more time further away. Mm -hmm. So now we only have maybe one or two families on each reservation. I think we're the only family within maybe four or five reservations around us that are still living that life of every day with the horse. You uh -huh. know, we've got 30 horses at the house that we I live with every day and ride and get out every uh -huh. day. So it's a good story, you know, meaning it's a bad time for us people, but the adaptation of our people is is so immense, man. I mean. To, to really understand that in the 1400s when the horse was brought here, those people had the horse for thousands of years prior. You know, they were using them. They were already a warring people, so yeah. they were using them. So they already had the skills and trades. And our folks, or our, our family, was able to grasp that knowledge within a, a matter of generations and outuse those commodities against the people that brought them. Yeah. Which really shows the mind of the people. You know, you really think of the the low mental uh, savage out there that everybody says, you know, but I mean, it's totally wrong. If you really look at that, that whole time, man, there was adaptation going on. That was really, really fast. Yeah. In Spain, like your ability to ride and your ability to maneuver and to work your horsemanship, it was really like, um, it was a status symbol. Yeah. And like you said, these guys are coming in off of, you know, uh, thousand years of working with horses and then within one or two generations you got natives that are at the same level and even beyond yeah. it really does show you know we always like to in modern days talk about uh, with the whole decolonization things we talk about our resilience and how dynamic we are mm -hmm. and we talk about that today but it's like think about our ancestors yeah. having to take this whole new animal they've never seen before that's like we might as well be riding a dinosaur right. you know like what's the equivalent to that a deer maybe right. the idea of like jumping on a deer and now we're gonna break this thing and, and we're gonna use it and it's going to be our main uh, function in life. Mm -hmm. They did that. They really did that. They went out there and got with these horses. And I, to me, uh, if you're not around horses a lot and you walked up to one, they're kind of intimidating. They're large, strong, yoked out animals. They got, you know, everybody wants arms looking like a horse's arms. They're pretty strong animals they and are. they can wreck you. But these dudes are able to, to ride and to work them, like you said, generation or two in and they were right there. Yeah. There's a lot, of, a lot of stories of, yeah. of us on the, on the government books of, being chased 20 or 30 deep and disappearing on them. Mm -hmm. And you think of that, there's 30 people on horses that tears the earth up. And then to have those people disappear in a, in a manner that the cavalry can't track a horse print that's six or eight inches around. Mm -hmm. And there's 30 people and each horse has four. I mean, just, just the, the dynamics of that time and what we were doing with them was just beyond those. They couldn't keep up. It was beyond what mm -hmm. they can comprehend. And it wasn't until they actually colluded with local tribes that were sympathetic for their to their cause that they were able to understand how that was possible. Right. You know, and it was the manner in which we were living with them, which entailed us to be able to push past them. You yeah. know what I mean? They put their horses in a pen. Some guy took care of them when they needed them. They grabbed them as a tool and they went to war. Right. Or they went out looking. We had them in our house tied to the cabin out front. 
Uh-huh. So the minute we came out, we seen him. The minute we went in, we, you know what I mean? So His family. We lived with him. Yeah, correct. So I think that has a lot, even to today, a lot of tribes outside California are still rodeo families that raising livestock in Navajo country. You know, South Dakota raised a lot of horses, great horses and great cowboys come out of there. Um, so and we're starting to get kind of the recognition that's due. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of... Uh, the Indian National Finals got put on the, the live TV this year. They put a lot of money behind it to get it to the status of the National Finals, which we all see on uh, TV during December. Yeah. You know, they finally gave the Native Rodeo, which is a week before that. That's rodeo. always the week every tribal council has got to go to Vegas, True, coincidentally. Man. Don't think we don't know what's going no, on. <laughs> You're rubbing elbows with friends you ain't seen in a yeah, long time yeah. there, you know, but... You know we're getting we're getting our, our due now you know mm-hmm. and and it's really starting to shine and, and a lot of our native people are really doing some really great stuff with horses and and a lot of them man it's such a great world out there in the horse world because i've had more open arms and more offers to i mean i've showed up in in denver and people go hey man do you need a place to stay do you have your horse put up mm-hmm. you know do you have a jacket man it's cold up here you know and before anything and not even shake their hand and, and introduce myself they're asking are you do you need anything is your horse good are you good come to the house and stay, you know, and I've had more than a handful of those opportunities through just traveling different places. Yeah. You know, so it's truly a blessing, man. So, you know, that's a, that's a good leeway into kind of where, where it came from, why the horses in this sure. area, you know, how, how really powerful we were as a horse nation at one time. And, and some of the stuff it's afforded me to do, man, I've, I've got to go to different States. I've got to go rope and, and professionally push against some of the guys that have horses that, you know, in the real world and, and, uh, you know, it's afforded me money and, and uh, confidence, man. It's given me stuff to be proud of. It's given me a mission yeah. every day to wake up and, and do. And, you know, it's, it's a really great, great way of life, man. And I really encourage anybody that's interested, kids are interested in it. You know, if you don't have anybody you know, man, link up and, and send a message out to me. You guys come and introduce your kids to it, man, because it's such a powerful story for them to have in their in their arsenal. As a I saw on your trailer, you had a you had a um, like a banner, or you had a you had a, um, yeah. a logo. What is that? It's Paradise Creek Arena Productions, okay. you know, and that that's our ranch down in Rincon. We have a little creek that runs by our house, and you know we've named it Paradise Creek. So and you guys do outreach too, right? I we know you guys have worked in communities. We do a lot. Mm-hmm. I've done a, I've done horse camps ever since I was thirteen years old. So wow. I've been teaching you know the horse since. I was teaching kids when I was a kid. So now sure. we do 15 to 17 uh, youth camps a year, um, anywhere from Campo, Manzanita, Getum, Palma, Paula. You know, a lot of our reservations, we're trying to introduce the horse back to them. Well, I know with kids, you know, like a lot of the challenges, I have five, so the challenges we always have, you know, like any parent I think has, or anybody working with youth, you're trying to teach respect, you want to teach humility, you want to teach empathy you want to teach responsibility to you know all of these are things that you have to have or you learn True. working with any animal really but especially a horse right you have to I mean, just a... think of that thousand pound animal steps on your little pinky toe man, <laughs> yeah. pop that thing right off you I know? Bet. so you always got to be aware man and it like i said it's all body language if you walk up on a horse in a manner that's too fast and they can't comprehend what you are they're a fight or flight animal as a as an animal minded mm-hmm. you know so if you approach them in a way that they fear it, they'll cut, you know? So it's, it's a relationship that's built over time. It's not something that you buy a horse and tomorrow you guys are best friends. It's a relationship that's built through years of understanding one another, being around the horse and the person that owns him for multiple hours of the day. He understands how you act when you're mad, when you're sad, he can change. He can tell all the changes. 
A horse can feel a fly land on his back. That's how sensitive they are. So imagine a fly landing on your back. You know, they can, they can actually tick them off with their skin. So they're a very sensitive animal from the skin on them to their mind to the way they, they act. They're very sensitive. You know what I mean? So it's all how you approach it, you know, and, and once you have that confidence of, of not being scared of them and realizing that they're there for the benefit of you, you know, whether it be a healing deal. I've seen people pet a horse and feel good, better about themselves that day, mm -hmm. you know, so, and our people always told us they were healers. They were the healers of our people was the horse, you know, people would pet them as they go by and they said that would take away you know, what ailments or what bad stuff you had. And a lot of the flat states still have that intact. You know, they really believe that the horse, first and foremost, is the healer of our people. Mm -hmm. He holds and retains the knowledge of the past. So they believe in that that medicine of the horse. And then they, they use him in a manner that, you know, they, they find success with, whether it be feeding him and petting him or using him in a professional manner or just having him and riding him for pleasure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... It's a very humble existence when you have to get up and you have to you have to perform for something else first. Before I get breakfast, before I worry about what I'm doing, I gotta get make sure my horses are fed, they're watered, you know, they have a pen that's not tore up and full of crap, you know. So there's a recipe to having a horse, you know, which they used to call animal husbandry. You know, that's the the term you would look up to to find that. But um, as a, as a people, we really took that and ran a hundredfold with what that means you know we really used them to plow fields i mean we used them for every little thing until the the car came they were our main source of income and our main source of of uh value as a as a people you know yeah so you know i think it's real important it, it's it's got me to i got a movie seat i got on a movie set this year went and worked on a, a movie set called uh the outlaw Johnny Black. That oh, you were hanging out with uh, Jason Momoa. You know how many how many people took a picture with Jason Momoa that uh, day, man? Yeah, I think he's the only Indian that gets FaceTime. I photoshopped it? myself in one, even <laughs> just, just your head. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> but no, man. You know, so it's just it's afforded me great things, man. And I really, I really pushed to to try to give it back as much as I can. You know, I think it's real important to just like you do with the bird songs, and you guys try to really put it in a manner where it's it's correct the, the mm -hmm. sequence of things the way they're said the way they're performed the things you have to do prior to being able to be ready to get around that situation there's all a recipe to making sure that stuff comes out in a beneficial way sure you know and missing any one of those steps once they're missed that step's forgotten so yeah. it's really really important to to do your history man because when you read your history and you find out the names that are linked to it it sends you down in a, in a whirlwind of, of knowledge, you know, and you could really kind of, if you look for the right, the right positives, you know, every negative is a positive on some side of it. You know what I mean? When you lose somebody, I had to go through some loss this year, you know, but the elder really taught me how it is when it's time to go, how it is to take the journey, you mm -hmm. know, and that was his lesson that he gave me as a young man that I just received because I'm old enough to comprehend it. Sure. You know, but it was a, a, a message of when it's time, it's time. You know, he made sure every, everybody was on the same page and he went, you know, and that was a great way. And, it, and to me, it, it symbolizes that great death. And when we used to talk about that's a great death or that's a good day to die. That was to me, that's really what it kind of circled around was it when it's time man, it's time to take the journey and make sure everybody's acknowledged, you know, that it's time and everyone's OK with it. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah, and those are things like you hear sometimes or you tell your kids or whatever, but you don't know, you don't really learn it 
you just kind of put it in your back pocket and then one day you kind of it really saturates you do understand what they meant and you go wow man that's what that means Powerful. it's a feeling you know you feel you don't Truly, yeah. you don't always get that you know not everything just comes intellectually you don't just see it here and, and sometimes it just kind of sits there and takes time to saturate and um you can even get some of these these lessons um through a smell like you know back to school night i remember i used to go to back to school night and i'd smell like crayons or whatever it was take and it would back. take me back to third grade i'd be like oh my god yeah. and you start thinking and then like you just think about how your thoughts were back then and how naive you were on things and sure. or you eat something or mind you of high school or hear a song or what you yeah. know it takes you to a spot and you kind of can really you know you don't realize that we have a lot of unfinished thoughts or unfinished ideas True. and then when you later on in life you look back you think you reminisce and you go, wow, man, okay, now I see why I was messing up or right. what they were trying to tell me. I get it now. And all of these different things. And it's like, it really does put, in my mind, um, it, it really makes you think different about when you talk about items being sacred, think about ideas being sacred, locations, mm -hmm. you know. And I think a lot of times people want to get caught up in the, the Pocahontas, you know, sounds of the wind. They think we're talking to all these animals and we're talking, and then maybe we are, but there is real realness to all of that. The idea that you can touch something and remember and it starts to bring things to you. It speaks yeah, to you. The yeah. wind might literally speak to you because you feel that it reminds you of being a kid True. and now you're going to maybe deal with some of that issue that you, you kind of blocked off, you know? Yeah. You had some trauma going on in life and you blocked it off, but now you're an adult, you're stronger, you know more, you've experienced more and a, a wind, oh, you know, brings that memory back to you and you go, oh, wow, now you're able to deal with it and now you're strengthening yourself. Truly. It's like our elements do that. I believe that. 100%. I'm 100% with you, man. There's a great story that I heard from my cousin from La Jolla. His grandfather used to work on the ranch up there in, in Warners. And he took him up there. He's probably in his late 80s, 90s. And there's an old loading chute. And the chute was built out of wood back then. And he walked up and the chute's all falling apart, wood on the ground. The grandpa, his grandpa picks up a piece of wood and immediately starts telling him a story about when he was 17 and was loading these cattle on these semi-trucks. Right. And it made me flash back to that whole thing of the old people always saying everything has a memory. The earth has a memory. The sky, the trees have a memory, the grass, you know, and everybody thought there was that Indian wisdom. Right. But that story really proved to me that that piece of wood that old man picked up gave him that story back. He didn't have the story when he walked up. He didn't talk about it all the way driving up there. It wasn't until he picked up that piece of wood that held that memory of that time that he was able to say that story. Mm -hmm. So it made a really, a really easy way for me to understand what that meant of everything holds a memory. Man, we've all been places that we've come here. Man, I remember when I was here with my son, we had these great fishing trips. Or we, and you go places that you flash back and you remember those times, yeah. which is what we meant about everything holds memory, man. You could go somewhere and pick up a piece of wood and have a story from when you were 17 and you're 90. Yeah. You flash back, you know, 80 years, you know, so... That, that that was a really powerful story for me to really kind of grasp what that whole, you know, mysticism was. Yeah, you start, you wait, expect the flute in the background. It's yeah. all from the movies and all the, right. but no, that's true. My, my, I had that experience a couple years ago with my dad. We had a, one of his relatives passed away. We have a lot of family in Ramona and we went out that way and we were there and same thing. He just started like remembering being a kid. He started sharing all of this family history and I'm like... I never once heard that in my life because I'm one of those people, I, you know, I've always talked to my parents and when they talk, I listen, I'd ask questions, mm -hmm. want to know more. But I never, and so a lot of stories I've heard many times, but I never heard him tell these stories. And it, like, it was so much uh, information about 
his side of the family. Yeah. It just like I just made so much. It had so much clarity about my family at that time. Yeah. About you know, um, you know, his family having to get taken away to um, at that time like a like a boarding school type thing out in Arizona and mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And uh, but he had heard when he was a kid about this and that. And I was just I was like, wow, man, I never knew that. You know, really? I went and talked to um, one of my aunts and. And she kind of remembered it, you know, she goes, yeah, you know, and so she started talking about, it. so it kind of like started to grow from there. But, mm-hmm. um, I talked to my older cousin and he, and he had heard something about that, but I had never in my life heard anything about any of that, sure. but him being there, just, it brought it back to him and he talked about it. And I, and you know, you get older, you kind of, you've lived a long life and you've had a lot of experiences, met a lot of people Yeah, you're going to forget things, Definitely. but it doesn't mean it goes away. It just, no, it's yeah, there, you right. know? And I think that's why it's so important to kind of go back to some of those places, you know, it, it's weird because you get called places that you don't, you maybe you haven't gone for 20 years and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're there, you're back there for whatever reason and you have these memories come back to you, you know? So every, everything to me, it, it, there's a reason behind everything, man. It, there's, there's never a time where you're free floating through the world with, you know, nothing's meant to be, you know, if you're having a hard time, that means you need to get around people that are having a better time and figure out how to get out of that rut, you know, to stay mm-hmm. there and be mad at the past or be mad at what you don't get and you can't get, man. Everybody can get it all, you know. I, I've come from nothing, man. We had no bingo halls. We were eating out of government trucks, man. We had government block cheese. You know, we lived the life of, of refried beans, man, you know. And now we're able to go have a steak dinner if you want, you know. And and, and for me, the horse afforded me all of that. You yeah. know what I mean? I didn't have to go ask the bank for a loan. I just had to put seat time into to my animals and my and my skill set, you know, and I was able to to find something at the end of it. You know what I mean? But it's as much as you put in is what you're gonna get out in life, man. You know, if you really put yourself behind it and you dedicate yourself to making a goal and setting it out there and making sure that comes to tuition, it gives you a path, man. It gives you something to chase, you know. So I think it's real important for everybody to set goals every year. I set a goal every week. Every week I have a goal that I'm going to hit every Sunday. I make sure that that goal was set, whether it be, you know, not to make the same mistake I made yesterday, you know, or the day before. But I have a goal daily, and then I have a monthly goal, and then I have a, a yearly and a 10-year goal. Yeah. You know, so I have goals set out within for the next 10 years. I have my life mapped out to where no matter what happens, that's my push, you know. So it gives me a, a reason to get up. Plus, I got a lot of mouths to feed. I've got kids and a <laughs> yeah. wife. and. It does that to you. It truly, really does, man, yeah. Truly. But it's a, it's a beautiful life, man. Just like the powwow scene and, and the bird singing scene, there's a lot of medicine and good that comes from yeah. that. You know, as long as you're taught and you're put in the right, the right set to actually find benefit from it. You know, if you go mm-hmm. read it out of a book, man, it, it's real hard to, to have everything correct. You know what I mean? And like horses were always told to me, you can't learn out of a book, man. You, mm-hmm. can't, you can't learn horses out of a book. You got to be on them. You got to be around them. So... Me, I've always been a hard teacher through a book, man. I never did really well in school because I was always taught to, you have to do it, you know what I mean? And words never came into complex. It was always yeah. what you see, watch this and then do it, you know sure. what I mean? So a lot of our, our teachings were always visual, you know, that's why we don't have a lot of written words because we were always told and that was make sure we were told enough times to make sure we could repeat it correctly, Sure. you know, so... And it's a lifestyle, you know, like you bring up the bird. For me, it's a lifestyle. It's been my lifestyle my whole life. There's been times in my life where, you know, I didn't do it as much. I was having my kids. I stayed home a lot. I was only singing at like funerals and things like that. And as my kids got older, I could start hitting the gatherings again and whatnot. But it's always, you know, been a part of my life for a while. When my dad, you know, he was real active. I'd go help him. And um, 
you know, but it was always a part of my life. It was a lifestyle. And then the, and the older I get, it's like more and more of my life and it's a dedication that I have to it. But it's a lifestyle and, and people always come to me and want to learn or have questions about it. And then I share that with them. I say, you know, I'll, I'll always you know, help with whatever I can help with, whatever. But it is a lifestyle. You can't learn it from a book or a recording. And in the modern era, everybody wants, they want ease and comfort to learn all this. And I get that. True. They want convenience, but you lose a lot in the convenience. People want to say, just give me a recording of this, or can I just film you and or listen back to it? Or, you know, what's the fastest way to learn this? And they don't realize that they're missing out in all the, the different teachings that make it a real prosperous thing for their life. It's going to make it a, a healing and healthy thing for their life. Yeah. It's in all of the hardships. You learn those songs, you know, you go out, you learn a song sitting in the, in the heat and you're sweating it out. You know, you learn something there. You're strengthening yourself there. Your spirit gets stronger doing that. You're singing out in the rain. And, you know, you've had to do it for sad times and, and, and happy times and, you know, and you've had to miss events to be there to do this. You know, it's part of it, you know, it's just part of it. And it's, uh, to me, a very important part of it to whereas if I just learned it from a recording or, um, you know, film, YouTube, all this kind of stuff, I, I think that it would lose, I would lose interest in it real quick. It wouldn't have real deep meaning. It would be something that easy come, easy go. And it would just literally be a song and a dance. Yeah. For me, the bird is not a song and a dance. It's my lifestyle. Um, you know, because I, I, one time I was talking to someone about it and they said, well, it's not that big a deal. And I, and I thought to myself, like, wow, what an insult, you know, because you're, that's my life. Right. And it's like you're saying my life isn't a big deal. And that's my, what I dedicate myself to. Right. Um, and it is a big deal. Maybe not to you, but to me, it's a big deal. Right. And it is what I dedicate my life to. Mm-hmm. And what I've, um, maybe I didn't know it when I was a kid, but I was dedicating my life then. Yeah. When I go out and sing and, and I remember a song or I remember a progression of songs in order, um, or if I remember, if I'm not feeling good, but I'm able, I have to sing for a certain duration and I'm able to get through it. And people say, well, how did you do that? They don't realize all of the different hours and the time that I put into it when I was a little kid, when I was a young teenager or a young adult that maybe they nobody else was around and I was there helping or I was just one of a few people or you know, like they don't know, they don't really know what I put into it. I put my whole life into it. All they see you is when the lights are on. That's it. Know? They don't realize it. Same thing with you. Like they see you riding a horse and go, man, I'd like to jump on a horse and go ride. That's right. Well, maybe they can at some point. But if you're going to get to that level, they got to realize that's a lifestyle, that's, man. That's right. Dude. It's a lifestyle. It's a every day, every day touching it and doing it every day, man. You know, and it gets, it's like everything that like gets repetition, man. It's mm-hmm. tough to stay involved in it. But once you, once you can kind of come to that that mentality of this is something that I need to, to hold on to. This is my skill set that I've built for 30 plus years now. For me to go be a, a computer uh, computer whiz, it's going to take me another 20 until they say, yeah, he's the guy you need, man. He's got 20 years of experience. Yeah. So now I've got 30 years with the horse, so that's what i got to kind of capture and keep a hold of. Plus, it's going away faster than we can keep a, keep a hold of it right now. So. Um, and you probably love it, right? I know for me, Bert, I, I truly it, love it, man. I, I couldn't give it up if I wanted to. It saved my life many times. Truly. And um, and I, I truly love it, you know what I mean? It's something that I I, uh, I I adore, you know, when I'm not doing it. There's been a couple years of my life where I, I stepped away from it, um, you know, because I was mourning and whatnot. And, and it was a healing time and whatnot. But I'll be honest. You missed it. Yeah, I missed it. I really did miss it. Like it was a person or something, you know. And then I got worried. I remember the one time I, I came back and I was kind of worried. I told my wife, I said, hey, you know, 
what if I can't do it no more? And she was just like, you'll be fine. And I was like, well, yeah, I know I get up there sing three, four songs, but what if I can't sing the duration? The duration? You know, what if they ask me to say I can't sing all night or I can't do what I'm supposed to do? You know, maybe I haven't, I literally at that time didn't touch a gourd for like nine months, 10 months. And I was like, what if I can't, you know, like even, I was just kind of being dumb, I guess, but yeah. I was like, what if I can't? And then sure, sure enough, I didn't play the gourd or nothing. We had the ceremony and then purified and everything. And then it was like later on, we went to a, um, I think it was a powwow. I want to say it was Morongo. It was a big powwow. A lot of people mm -hmm. said, let's go sing. And I had had my, uh, my nephew, my boys, they had been continuing on. And so we all got together to sing. And I remember getting up and now I'm going, oh man, I probably should have sang out in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> I just see if I got it. Right. But I got up and we, we sang it for everybody. And uh, it was just such a, um, it's like when you haven't seen somebody or family in a long time, and you give them that hug oh, man, and you that feel that embrace. Release, yeah, man. man, I just felt so good. And, and, um, and so to me, I knew there in my mind that that's just something that I love to do. And I let, you know, it's, it's always hard to do it on the sad times, you know, nobody wants to be there for that. But the same time, it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to help in some way. Truly, you know, we all want to help in those times. And it's an honor to have to be able to help in that small way, you know. Right, have a family reach out and you say, hey, can you guys please come honor us with that, you know. And that, yeah. That medicine that comes in the hardest times, and like I said, the hard, you, like you said, I would say, you come in the hardest times and the happiest times, you yeah. know what I mean? And and that's such a big gap to fill, you know, and that, and that truly entails a lifestyle of living that you can be at that beckoning call when it's called. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's the, not somebody that's learned it from YouTube can get that call and go, hey, tomorrow you need to be here if you can. And saying, yep, no matter what's happening right now, I have to be accountable to this. Yeah. You know, so learning it through a book doesn't hold that that value, like you said. Right. It's hard to really grasp and hold on to that value and realize that people are needing me. That I'm, you know, they need me to be there. You know, they need our medicine to be spoken of. You know, which is a, a huge honor, man. Such it is, honor. and you know, it's a perspective that you know, like I, I, so I'll speak about it now a little bit more, but. Like 10 years ago, I didn't like to talk a lot about it because to me, it was always like the perspective should come from someone who's lived it. You know, I'd say, no, talk to my dad, talk to, you know, uh, Leroy out of Manzanita, may he rest in peace. But those were the the old older guy, the men at that time, you know, and yeah. there's some older guys still, my cousin John and my cousin Junior that are that are older. And it's like, they, you know, listen to them. They know, you know, I'm just a young guy learning it. And so the last few years, I've kind of spoken more and more about it. But, I, you know, you do have to have that perspective of someone who's been in there learning and doing it, have experienced it. Because what happened, what my fear is, and not just with bird, but with all of our culture, is that it is it is kind of come convenient, a lot of it. So people can jump in in a couple of years, learn this, learn that. And then they become like a, um, a showman where they're going to be the ones now to go out and say, well, this is what it is. And you have the outside world sucking that up, soaking it up. And they want to, well, let me write this book and let me put this out and we're going to represent what the culture is. You know, and and it's like, well, have these people really learned it the traditional way? Do they have it in lineage or do they have the true perspective to give the voice as to what it is? Yeah. Someone just coming in two, three years, they don't have that perspective yet. Definitely. And it's dangerous because they put that out. And then in the outside world, that becomes the facts. That becomes the truth. Yeah. And then someone reads that and then they're going to be asking my boys, you know, and then my, my boys have grown up with it like I have. So, you know, um, my son working the camera has been doing this for 15 years now. You know, and he's coming from me who's doing it the whole life, you know, and, sure. and now he's going to learn from somebody who read a book is going to say, no, that's not what that's it is. Not right, yeah. That's not right. Or you got it wrong. It's like, no, he knows what it is. He's going up with it. Yeah. He's been through some of that hardship yeah. and he learned from someone who went through that hardship, who learned from some, you know, and the yeah. lineage going back. Yeah. And I feel like um, with your 
with your uh, your cowboy culture, your horse culture, you know, that's the same way. You know, to me, when people, like I say, when people think of the plains and the horse, it's because I know they lack that perspective of being in our communities right. years ago when the families all had the horses, right. you know, and, it, and they, they lack that perspective of knowing that the roundups and all of that used to be such a central part of every res's communal uh, existence. Like, Every spring, you get to have have the roundup. You know, here in Viejas, um, Baron Long, mm -hmm. a lot of the families have I've heard people say like, "Why don't we should we should bring back uh, roundups? We don't even really have cows out here anymore. We don't have a lot of horses around anymore." But the idea of like everybody coming together, some the ladies cooking up some tortillas, and yeah. they got the meat, doing some pitted meat, yeah. and yeah, sure they were drinking and they're having good times, but the community was coming together. Right. They were being social. The young kids are out there playing with each other, getting dirty. They're learning how to work with their hands. Right. You got the older guys instructing the men and the men are getting, you know, the family's all coming together, True. you know, and, and having that when it seemed like they didn't have much, yeah. but they had a lot. They were very rich in community spirit and True. family. And it's like, that was such a, uh, an important part of our community here in this res. I know the next res over in Barona, they come from that very strong also. Same, yeah. You go to their casino and you still see they pay tribute to that by having their brands, yeah. the brandings of the families put on their um, in some of their uh, parts of the casino and their restaurant and whatnot, you'll see it on their menu. Yeah. Um, but, you know, every res in our, in our area had that, man. It was such an important part of their culture. Truly, man. I've got a, there's, a, there's a Nicochet family in Barona that's been helping me this year get prepped to go out and push against, you know, some of the, the top guys. And, um, you know, there's the Chucky Pablo out in, in La Jolla. And mm -hmm. there's Alvin Wachano up in the mountains in San Isabel and, and Rudy Wachano up there as well. These are some of the men that, you know, I had the benefit of, of being around as a kid and, and learning, you know, from the time I could walk till now. You know, it wasn't until I probably was 17 or 18 until I got taught by the outside world, meaning like a world champions that had won the world prior to coming and doing schools. Mm -hmm. So, you know, before then was all the native style. And when I got into immersed into the, the horse world that, you know, society's into, our teachings are way different. The way we... Uh, teach the horses way way different they the outside culture is more of a make the horse do it and we always kind of were the the we'd ask them to do it kind of so there's the okay. two different kind of ways to look at it you know we'd ask the horse you know we'd ask them and we'd kind of give and take mm -hmm. you know the other side of it was whip them into to you know doing what they needed to do when they broke down get rid of them and get a new one you know but um so the the teaching was 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 way softer. There's a lot more information there. There was not so much making them do it, which made you have to understand the horse's mentality. You know, yeah. Not a lot of people understand that horses are two-minded animals. One one eye works each side of the brain. So the right side is the left side. Oh, the right side is the fight or flight side. The left side is the problem-solving side. So horses that are that are naturally crazy or they run away, they are really good at accessing that right side of the brain. Great horse. When they access that right side, they immediately are able to access the problem-solving side and, and create a, a, a solving of what's happening. And that's where a great horse becomes great, is they're able to knock off the fight-or-flight mode, which is every horse has, and go into the problem-solving mode. And that's when they come to you for direction. You know, So understanding the mentality of a horse and what it takes to get the mind to jump from side to side and the things that you need to do to create confidence in the horse not knowing that that entails confidence in oneself, mm -hmm. you know, so 
very, very powerful teachings through my young, young life. And you now, see that confidence in like those old timers, like, you know, like Chucky, for instance, and, and Alvin and, and, and Rudy and these guys. You go to uh, anywhere they're at, you see they're very confident men, you know. They just stand back and they, they kind of guide the community and the different things they do. And yeah. me as a young kid, my dad always say, you know, go shake these. You know, a lot of the elders are gone now, but they're, they're some of the last kind of ones out there like that. Right. Yeah. Go shake their hands. There'll be a little kid, shake them. And tell my boys, go shake these guys' hands. And, and you shake their hand and it's rough, man. It's right. like, a, that's a man's hand. That's, right. that's not my hand, you know what I mean? Like, I got the hands of a singer and a beater, you know, a dishwasher. Chucky but the man say, hands, those Chucky guys. Chucky say, turn around real quick. And turn around and goes, you got back sores from laying down too much. <laughs> you, know? you got bed sores on your back, you know? Always yeah. picking on you, you know? But, I mean, you got hazed through. I mean, I got yeah. hazed. I got, <laughs> all that stuff was broke by high school. I, I heard it before, right? Yeah. From the old man pick. Yeah. Get out of here. Go on now. You know, that was the, always the best one I was here. Go on now. You know, <laughs> that was pushing the kids out of, get out of here, you know. But that that was so, so, you know, meaningful to me as a young man being raised around those type of men. That was no yeah. forgiveness, man. There was one way to do it, and that was the right way. And if not, you got chewed up for it. And when you got chewed up, you didn't want to go through that again, so you made sure it was correct the next but time. But you know, those dudes, man, they hold tight because, like, they're older now. You think about it, and they're still out there. Still you go to funerals right. and stuff, you still see Chucky right in the middle of that, you know, yeah. shoveling. And yeah. he don't look like he missed a step at all, man. Oh, no. he's, he's, uh, he's strong as a, as a bull still. And yep. and uh, Alvin, too, another guy, real in good shape. And Rudy, all those guys, they're all, they all um, you don't see them hobbling around, man. They yeah. look strong and, and yeah. they got a good handshake on them. And every day they're you know? using they're using themselves every yeah. day, you know. And that's I'm sure they don't feel it now. Well, maybe I'm sure they feel it now with the ball. They're gonna let you know it though. Huh? They won't let you know. <laughs> They're not gonna cry around about it. No, no way, you know. So, no, these are just great, great men. I've had a chance to be around, you know, and, and you know, I'm just blessed to be able to to share this message with you guys, man, and put this out there that it's just so important to hold on to. Whatever culture you guys have, if it's if it's the white culture, the black culture, the Mexican culture, man, take a hold of it and learn about it, man, and share those stories with your people and be proud of them because, you know, a lot of those people from those times, they did the things they did in order for us to be here today. Yeah. You know, so it's truly important to, to pay homage to that, man, and, and understand where it came from and where it's headed, you know, so and when it's time for you to make those decisions as an adult, you have an understanding of what you don't want to reoccur. Yeah, you know, and to be oblivious of it, and 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 YouTube only puts what's fancy out in front of you. That you have to search for this knowledge. You know, you don't you don't get hit with California Mission Indians, and you don't get hit with you know the push of of the gold rush, and and that's not the first thing that comes out when you look up YouTube. You look up, you know, it comes out with the trades and what's out and what's cool. So a guy's got to really try to search for that that hidden knowledge, you know, and realize that what you read is from the victor standpoint. Right. That's from that's from what the government saw and that's what they thought of the, the situation. So once you read that information, it's even more powerful to go ask your elders and ask those people that are older than you. Do you remember this time? What did how did we feel about it, man? What you know, it can't just be this way. What, what how did we feel? What were our meetings like? What were we talking about? Where did we put the people at those times? You know, and, and it sends you into a. a, a a place where you you find power from it because you're mm -hmm. searching for your your lost your 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 lost path man your, where you came from what your people went through you know and i really think that's super important to kind of hold on to and and take pride from you know there's a lot of negative out there on what we went through the massacres all those bad words that come up but the adaptation is what should be said instead of the massacre it's it's what and how we adapted in that short period of time of that mass uh, migration of people that we are still here, you know, and 
and my cousin just started a, a shirt uh, company down in Paula, and that's his logos. We're still here, which is a great a great saying, you know, because a lot of people are still here, man. The yeah. black culture still here, the Spanish culture still here. We're all still here, man. Yeah. You know? So, I think that's a real powerful thing to realize. You know, we're just as powerful as every other person in this world. Everybody's got an equal plane. It's what you put yourself in behind, and the knowledge that you retain. It creates your value as a person to yourself. Meaning, yeah. it doesn't matter what they think, as long as you can accept it and be okay with it. Man, you're powerful, man. And I think a lot of kids get lost too, or just people get lost because they don't understand why things are the way they are. True. They don't. They get frustrated with their maybe their community or their family, mm. or they don't. Their upbringing maybe not was what they wanted. You know, sometimes as a parent, you go like, well, why did why did my parents do this? You know, why was I brought up this way when I wouldn't do that to my kid and all this kind of stuff? But they don't know their own family history. Yeah. And I think if you start going into your family history, you know, you have understanding and clarity that'll help heal you. Sure. You start seeing the experiences that our people had that, yeah, there was some some ugly times that every one of our families had to endure. Right. You know, they had it to survive, yeah. you know, but same time, like you said, you can spin that and say it's not, you know, these guys are, you know, uh, having to survive and they're all being harsh on each other and bad on each other. But it's really like, no, they overcame these things. Really? You know, that survival isn't, it's not just look at the negatives. The survival is a powerful word to be able to say they survived without them. I would not be here. And so you get that clarity of why things are the way they are. Same time, every single one of our families has something to be proud of. And I think nowadays people, they uh, cling to certain things in our culture. You know, they want to, you know, it's good that everyone's singing and dancing and Barpion or, you know, all of these things. That's good. But all of our people spoke the language. That's something, yeah. you know, all of our people, um, you know, come from people who were farmers, who ranched, who, you know, all of these different things that our families were really good at and hunting. And, and um, yeah. you know, everybody has that in their family. And if they go back and learn their family history, they too can be proud, True. you know, and they should feel that they can continue to do that, you oh, know. Yeah. They should. Uh, they shouldn't shy away from wanting to go learn. Your parents didn't sing. Didn't mean your great grandpa didn't, or your great grandma wasn't a dancer. Or, or if you want to go and uh, start riding, you know, get involved in horses and stuff. Your parents or grandparents didn't do it. Probably your their parents may have, you know. So it's still in your blood. It's still in your um, your genetic makeup, your genetic makeup man. Absolutely. It's still there. You just got to pull that out. So yep. our youth should feel very motivated to say, you know what. What should we do? You know, what you know, what should I do? What should be my place in my community? Yeah. How can I uh, keep things going? How can I give back? What can I learn that I can, you know, get transmit for you know, going pushing forward right. to the next generations, you know? Try not to um, miss any of those opportunities yeah. that are presented, man. I mean, a lot of us natives, man, even myself as a young man was I'd get opportunities to go places and I'd be like, Nah, you know, I don't know if I can go there. You know, it's a lot it's a, it's a long drive. Yeah. But it's an opportunity that I should have took, man. I might have met the guy that made me my next million dollars. You know what I mean? Or you might have met the guy that I met a person or a family that's going to be lifelong friends. And, you know, so those opportunities you get, whether it be from school or taking a trip with a family or, you know, take those opportunities, man. And don't stay home and miss out because you stay home and all those stories that you could be creating, man, you miss out on them. You know, so it's important to really push yourself to get out and do new stuff that you have never done, man. If you're interested in paintball and you've never done it, try it, man. You know, if you're interested in horses, it's just a matter of looking it up and figuring out where you can go to get yourself into that. You know That's so I mean? true, man. I went to Barona Powell, you know, when I was a young guy like that. Didn't expect anything. Went to go back up. My cousin John, go sing some. It was, you know, I was I was playing in the kids at that time, mm -hmm. and it was adult night, and so he was there playing at the 
Pion Games. I went back to him up in Sangley. I went and got an Indian taco. And boom, right there. I met my wife. We have five kids. 20 years later, we're still together. And we got kids and everything like that. Our kids, our son's going to graduate this year from high school. You know, he's going to be 18. That just happened as a freak thing going to a, a gathering or a powwow, you know. But it could have. Yeah, man. I've been to I've been to places where, you know, you run into somebody. And um, I went to. I went to the a restaurant the other day and just to get a takeout, you know, mm-hmm. and I ran into our old chairman there and he was just sharing some, you know, he just, he just, Hey, how you doing? We started talking. He shared some stuff, man. My brain was like, wow, yeah. man. Like he just like enlightened me True. to a whole nother level. True. And, but you know, if I didn't have it in me to go shake his hand and say, how are you doing? You, you know, I would have missed out on that, man. Really, man. If I would have been like, nah, I'm just going to stay home. Not, I would have missed out on that. You miss out when you don't give yourself that opportunity. Yeah. And another thing, you know, is that, there's not a lot of awareness on a lot of these things. Like you brought up about the Temecula uh, massacre, the Palma massacre. I don't know if all the young bucks that live up and down that waterway from Warner Springs down to, you know, through San Isabel, La Jolla, I'm going to my head now, you know, Rincon and Palma, Palma, you know, that's all one waterway. All the people lived in those areas going all the way down to the San Luis Rey mission, you know, they were all connected, you know, and we're still connected whether they understand it or not. Truly. You know, we go to gatherings with each other, we see each other, funerals, drive through, each other drive through. yeah, right? we're yeah. always there, man. We're breathing the same air whether we like it or not, right. you know, but it's like, I don't know if all the all the young heads in those areas know that history, right. you know, and I kind of can't blame them because I know they ain't learning at school. Right. I know they're probably not seeing it on TV. When they Google those things, it's not probably coming up, no, you, you know, you have to really word. search. Yeah. 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 So you bringing that up, you know, hopefully that'll motivate some people to go look at that. You know, the idea that we have cowboys in SoCal, you know, maybe somebody watching this or listening to this on the other side of the country will, I'm sure they never thought of that when they think of SoCal. Yeah, I mean, I I've don't think so. I've tried to look so. up YouTube on Southern, I've looked up California Indian cowboys. There's nothing that comes it's up. It's like you and John Christman. That's yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like I said, I, I was really pushed to, and motivated to come down and sit with you guys and talk because I, I believe truly this is a, a branch that's going to be. Uh, very very fruit filled you know what i mean yeah. there's a lot of people that are getting a glimpse of some of these inside circles that most folks will never get a chance to kind of do so i really got you know i gotta applaud you guys for that you know and and uh i really thank you guys for having me down here yeah well i appreciate it man we want to have you back in a few more times you got a lot to talk about you yeah, know and, and uh, rays, yeah man we'll have you back again when the uh when it's around roundup time see how the the Rocky Mountain, uh, Rocky Mountain oysters are tasting. I had one one time. I'll share that story next time. Sounds good. But um, anyways, Boone Turner, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming uh-huh. live from the Res. Oh, family.